noticed uh, fuel is kind of expensive? <laughs> You're thinking, duh, Dylan. <laughs> Well, you know, it's one thing if you're driving around town, and yeah, that kind of takes some of the fun out of it as we see those prices high. Of course, we know one of the reasons why here in Washington State is a decision that was made in Olympia uh, recently dealing, well, it's the, called the, the Climate Commitment Act or, or cap and invest, cap and trade, carbon tax. We know that ha is having an upward force on gas prices. So I, consumers across the, the board in the state are feeling that pressure and you see it at the gas pump. But that much more farmers here in the state are feeling this. And farmers, of course, facing very tight margins as it is for the food that they produce. A lot of farms just barely hanging on. Well, any upward pressure on any cost, and it's been for a lot of different costs that farmers face, they're, they're seeing inflation and other things boosting costs. It makes it really tough. Now, it turns out this boost in what farmers pay for fuel to grow food for us to eat was not supposed to happen. That was part of what that bill, that cap and invest bill, or again, whatever you want to call it, the Climate Commitment Act passed in Olympia, it was supposed to shield farmers from feeling that impact. Well, that's not happening. And it's been talked about a lot in Olympia, including by state representative Mike Chapman. He's a Democrat from out in Port Angeles and the chair of the Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee. He joins us on the program this morning. Representative Chapman, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule here in this legislative session to talk with us on the Forming Show here on KGMI. Um, explain, you're saying, and this was the headline in the Capitol Press of late, you're frustrated with what's happening here. Explain what's going on and why are you frustrated? Well, well first of all, thanks for the invitation, and it's uh, always a great opportunity to get a chance just to kind of talk about some of these things. Yeah. You know, we... Uh, you know, I do chair the House Ag and Natural Resource Committee, and, and earlier this week, uh, I, you know, I made some comments uh, at my first. You know, we had a we had a work session on kind of the state of agriculture around the state, and we heard from from the future farmers of America, and we heard from the the Farm Bureau, and and at the end, you know, I kind of put on the record that, yep, you know, I, while I was uh, one of the deciding votes to move the 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 cap and invest bill forward, the Climate Commitment Act. You know, a couple of issues that were that got me to yes was number one, it would not impact the agricultural community, and they would be exempt from the the increased fee. And also, I I, I do live you know in Port Angeles, represent the north coast of Washington State. Also, was it going to exempt the maritime industry? Uh, and we have a huge fishing fleet that comes out of Port Townsend for commercial fishing, plus just uh, you know the commercial maritime industry. Yeah. So, th and then the third area that really kind of got me to yes, I represent six uh, federal recognized tribes and and a significant portion of the funds was was to go to tribal communities to help them re reinvest in their community and move to higher ground well as we're a year later and we've now seen the first auction and this, these are real dollars that are coming in uh, like you expressed these are going to be costs that are going to be passed on to the the end consumer uh, unfortunately you know after a year uh you know washington state government hasn't figured out a way to not collect this fee this increase on the agricultural community the fishing fleet 
and we're not seeing the robust investment uh, coming to help our, our our tribal partners. So certainly at the committee level, I expressed my frustration mainly around the ag because that was yeah. the topic of the work session. And I said, look, if, if I had known that this fee was going to be passed on to ag, I'll add on also to the maritime fleet and also not maybe helping my tribal friends. You know, I would not have voted for this bill and there's a chance the bill wouldn't have passed. So on one hand, you know, I, I own the fact that I voted for it. I own the fact that I thought I was protecting my district and yeah. people in my district. But, you know, here we are a year later. And here's what's frustrating is that it this is a this is something that Washington State legislative intent meant to happen. And the legislature, you know, we, we, we create the laws, we pass the budget. We do then leave town for, you know, upwards of eight months. And we expect that the executive branch folks will will implement legislative intent and that's been my frustration is that we're not seeing the the executive branch you know pick up their their and they're pointing fingers at you know refiners up north and bp and the and the manu you know the 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 wholesalers and then the no we passed the law and we said we were going to exempt and it should be a simple it should be a simple fix and yeah. really at the end of the day it should be you know we should be able to do a rebate on a quarterly basis at the very least well and it's it's something that happens on more issues than just this with farming and honestly of late um, I, I think at least with some people on various parts of the political spectrum, there have been bigger questions about exemptions for farming. From my perspective, it's common sense. The, these are the folks growing the food that we eat. We want food to be grown here versus in a foreign country. We, you know, there are so many reasons right. for that. If you care about the climate, you need to care about local food and growing food here in Washington, where I would argue we have the, the most protective rules for workers, for animals, for the environment, for our communities, anywhere. So why aren't we, you know, growing our food here? Let's make that doable. And with tight margins, some of those exemptions that farmers get are the difference between staying in business and producing that food here or going out of business and the food production happens somewhere else. So that would be my argument to some people who say, well, why are farmers getting these, you know, special considerations? But that was what what was supposed to happen and again it happens with other things it was supposed to happen with this carbon tax now it's not and i guess the blame that it sounds like is coming from the administration from the state department of ecology is that they just can't figure out a way to do this i think this gives us a moment here and i don't want to get too far in the weeds because i know it's really complicated but to understand this Let's step back and talk about what this whole thing, this Climate Commitment Act, does in the first place. And you mentioned an auction, and it's about carbon and really putting a price on that, of course, with the goal to incentivize the reduction of carbon emissions over the long term, correct? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you know, I think that was the goal, and I think it's, you know, certainly a worthwhile goal. You know, you made a couple of key points about ag, but I'd also say not only not only do we want our food grown here, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a plug in for our forestry industry. It's the Ag and Natural Resource you know committee that I chair. Our forest practices are as good as any in the world, and we want to make sure we have healthy working forests. And we and we put a lot we put exemptions in the bill so that they weren't going to be impacted. You know, I'm going to argue up north where we have refineries and people, some folks are like, we, well, we don't want refineries in Washington. Yeah, you do want refineries in Washington State because we're asking them 
to also operate at the highest standards of anywhere probably in the world. And then they're not trucking the fuel or putting it on a (laughs) rail car. They're literally making it right here in Washington State. And I have a renewable fuel manufacturer in the southern end of my district. These are exactly the kinds of projects and the kind of jobs, union jobs, ag jobs that are solid. I mean, but but I know you're about the family farm. And and I'll just point out one thing we heard a committee this week. In the last 10 years, we've lost 300,000 acres of mm. productive farmland. And I kind of, I wrote down the, the the number where we're at today. I think it's 13.5 million of, of acres. And I, I kind of wrote that down as a marker for the committee. Like, we don't want to be the committee that oversees another 300, another 500,000 acres of lost farmland. And I'm pretty sure most of that has just gone to development. And I don't know how sticking a house in the middle of farmland, you know, if we make it so expensive for ag to do their job and they just subdivide their acreage, they have a right to do that. That isn't helping any of us. And I'm I'm with you. I want to, you know, Washington is the number one or number two producer. And I don't have the list right in front of me, but we're, we have about 13 crops that we're the number one or number two producer in the United States for those crops. Significant production, billions of dollars of revenue to the state, billions of dollars of exports. And actually, you could make the case that Washington farmers at all levels help feed the world. Absolutely correct. And and you're singing my song uh, all day long here. These are, you're touching on so many things we discuss here on this program. Um, again, talking with State Representative Mike Chapman, Democrat from Port Angeles and chair of the uh, Washington State House of Representatives uh, Committee, uh, Ag and Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee. Um, so, you know, cap and trade, cap and invest, they have an auction that kind of puts a, a price then on on, is, is basically a markup on on fossil fuels on on petroleum products that our refiners are are providing to commit to efforts to ultimately reduce those emissions and protect the climate right that that's that's what this money is supposed to be going to right and 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 to help with alternative fuel sources uh, more renewable fuel sources down the road but again the investment in our tribal partners yep. and the investment in communities and also um to help you know there, there's there's investment in 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 our in into our you know automobile fleets and you know kind of I think it really was viewed as well. We don't want to continue to just be fossil fuel dependent, although we all know the president said it in a state of the union address. I mean, fossil fuels are going to be, you know, <laughs> they're not going away, but right. we are looking, are there alternatives? And certainly, you know, we're seeing many, many automobile manufacturers spending a lot of time and effort, you know, electrifying their fleet. Yep. You know, we're, we're going to see really good innovations, I believe, from the John Deere's of the world, the tractor companies of the world, but also, you know, on the ground how can how can each and every one of us maybe take advantage of some of these new technologies and try to keep them somewhat more affordable but again you know for me personally i also want to make sure that you know our workforce our union workers in these factories that are creating the you know every drop of fuel we create here and what we refine here in washington state you know there's a market for it right now and you know i i really respect the work that they do too so while I voted for the bill and tried to carve out some protections in my district, 
a little frustrated, more than a little frustrated that those protections, you know, right now aren't in place. Yeah, exactly. Why, why is that? And what are various players saying? Why is it apparently not possible for them to follow through? And now if I'm correct, again, you're saying you voted for it because there were promises or, or indications that they were going to try to protect uh, the maritime folks the farmers and forestry from this uh, pressure, additional cost pressure, this this whole um, act uh, of of carbon taxes, um, that was supposed to be a, an exemption. How were they going to do it? That act actually like specified, didn't it? The ecology was supposed to figure out a, a method of do of of yes. acting out the yeah. exemption, actually making it work on the ground. It's one thing to say something, but then actually to find a system is a different thing. Now, I'm not just uh, you know, a representative or just ranting off the top of my head or being frustrated off the top of my head. Here, here's the facts on the ground. At the, it, it, at the same time we put this bill in place, we also passed, and, and for, you know, for good measure, we passed the working family tax credit, giving a sales tax rebate to working families in the state of Washington, and folks, if you you know if you're if you're at a at a certain, uh, you should go online and look and see if you're eligible for this rebate. We've actually bumped up the bipartisan position, the Working Families Tax Credit. Here's the deal: we're not making you go back to Walmart uh, every quarter or every six months and say, "Hey, we want you to give me. I want my quarter back. I want my two bucks back for my <laughs> tax break that the state gives me." Yeah, the state's going to mail that to you. And they're probably going to set it up where you get a credit to your bank account, I suspect. But ultimately, if you don't have it, you know, eventually, you know, one of the defaults will be we're going to credit. You're going to apply to the state and say, "Hey, I'm eligible for this tax credit," and then the state's going to give you the money. Well, now we're hearing with the rebate for ag and and some of the other folks that are eligible for the tax rebate, the tax, the carbon tax rebate. Oh, no, we're not set up to give a rebate. Well, that's, you know, I know you're a family show, but you can pretty much say what I was what I'd want to say about that. <laughs> so 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 don't tell me you can't do it. Yeah. And it'd be, it should yeah. be the exact same system as we're as we're operating under the working families tax credit, which is another. Again, it was a bipartisan bill strongly supported by Republicans and Democrats were the were the, obviously the climate commitment act wasn't as bipartisan but the rebate portion we already do that if you overpay for your B&O tax there's a way to get a credit on the books potentially even a rebate we do this all the time it'd be like the IRS saying well you know you overpaid your taxes but you know we just don't have any way to get the money back yes you do we got billions <laughs> yeah. of dollars out during the during the pandemic with with unemployment relief right so many billions of dollars that some were actually fraudulently taken right. but the reality is we do this all this is this is one of the fundamental principles of government is if you give me more money than than you need to to government or if we want to give you a rebate there's a rebate process. And so that's what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating about the state of Washington not saying not only not only are we not going to quibble, this was a fundamental principle of this piece of legislation. And this piece of legislation would not have passed without this tax credit for ag and maritime and in my case, it was also the help for the tribes, which it's not everybody yep. around the state's going to have that in their district. Right. I guarantee you that bill would not have passed. So now we're hearing there's no chance. We don't know how to give a rebate. Yes, you do. And and that's my frustration. And, you know, it's 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 one of, you know, 
it's it's patently unfair. And you know what? You're going to pay more for your food. The, the farmers are paying the higher costs right, right now. They're tracking how much it is. I've heard of farmers that have had twenty five, thirty five, fifty thousand dollar surcharges because, you know, I think especially east of the mountains. I'm not so sure on the west, but there's not in common east of the mountains. Fuel traditionally is a little cheaper in the winter months. Yep. They will load up every tank they can get this time of year before <laughs> the it, summer yeah. driving season. But it actually we went up over winter because of of all of this. Right. right. But they they've paid for their fuel. So they have yep. a very large, what they believe should be a rebate. That would be a rebate to help them pay for the higher, higher, you know, uh, fertilizer costs, the higher seed costs, the higher labor costs, the higher trucking costs, the higher transportation costs. You know, yes, uh, my wife was was a was a daughter of a Montana wheat farmer. Mm-hmm. I know this industry yep. through my family inside and out. I know the struggles that farmers, and we cannot be complicit in losing farmland year after year after year because we make it so it doesn't pencil out well and i would argue if if anybody cares about climate change they need to care about enabling farmers to invest in practices that can actually really move the needle on that issue help farmers sequester more carbon because it will be better for the food that they produce their bottom line for the climate and the list goes on and on there's a huge opportunity there as we're seeing the science develop on that improving soil health and the right kind of practices uh, sometimes it takes significant investments to get there and if you're paying way more for your fuel for some tax that you're supposed to be exempt from that's supposed to help deal with climate change but you can't make the changes that you need to because your margins are so tight and being pressed even farther it ends up being counterproductive and you know how we know you know how we know the state believes that agriculture is not is a is a net positive for climate change because we exempted them from paying the, the fee yeah so we're yep. admitting, no way, you're you're one of the you're one of the good partners working for us, sequestering yep. carbon or growing healthy trees. You're one of the good industries. You're one of the industries we want to promote. And yet now we're seeing, no, maybe we don't want to promote those yep. industries. Well, where I live in Clallam, Jefferson, Grace Harbor County, you know, forestry, ag, uh, fishing, coastal shellfish production. All, all four make our environment and our climate healthier. We're not a net. We're a net positive to climate change impact. You know, to fighting climate change. But right. cleaner air, cleaner water. Your shellfish industry filtering all that water. Your trees yep. sequestering carbon, creating, you know, the air we love and breathe. Plus the recreational. Oper- I mean, yep. it, this is a no-brainer. But sometimes not everybody can. Yeah. Well, agree. W- w- why? Do you get the sense of of a reason why you're saying it is doable? There's a way to figure it out. You just got to apply yourself and get it figured out. Is there more to the story here? It's hard to say exactly. Possibly, I mean, possibly it's just there may be there may be. I mean, it's not uncommon at times for executive branch folks to maybe kind of skirt the will of the legislature where they can, mm. and then usually there's some sort of litigation that kind of says, yeah, you know, it has not been uncommon over you know for over the years for a governor to veto a certain section of a bill, and then the legislature. We, we did like three yeah. or four veto overrides the other day. You know, good bills that the governor last year vetoed. And, you know, we overrid them. I mean, there is yeah. that is there is that tension. It's natural tension. It's the kind of tension, actually, you should celebrate that there's Absolutely. natural tension between the executive branch and the legislative branch. We're, we're co-equal branches of government. Checks and but balances. We are co-equal <laughs> checks and balances. Yeah. But in that tension, at times, the executive branch will maybe try to say, you know, 
I wasn't too enthused about that part of the bill. Maybe we'll either ignore it mm-hmm. or I'll veto that section or we'll just do something different. And so, I think it's up to the legislature now to step up. And there are some there are some there are some folks stepping up trying to trying to do a legislative fix here as we work through the budget process. We'll see how that plays out. Um and that's kind of that's yeah. kind of the hope. I'd hate to think that farmers are going to have to take their own government to court, but to me, you know, if the, if they did, the state clearly has has no defense. And mm. you know, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not practicing as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Want me to. But it does the legislative intent was very clear. So yeah. we'll see if some legislation legislation that can clarify that. But it is frustrating, but it is part of the natural tension well, that you do want in government. Yeah. And we're going to keep an eye on this issue and certainly keep talking about this and hopefully a fix comes sooner rather than later too because uh you know, planting season, harvest season are all on the horizon, not too far away here. And, and that's going to get extra expensive uh, for folks growing food here in Washington State. State Representative Mike Chapman, uh, again from Port Angeles, a uh, Democrat and chair of the uh, Washington State House of Representatives Committee uh, on Agriculture and Natural Resources. Representative Chapman, thanks for your time here this morning. Hey, you bet. Anytime. Let me know. I'll be glad to talk to you about any, about these issues anytime. And also, my ranking member Tom Dent from uh, from Moses Lake. What a what a jewel of a of a partner he was this year in, in the legislature. And we kind of ran our committee as uh, as bipartisan as possible. I think virtually just about every bill we passed out of committee was was fully bipartisan and Tom was a huge partner and I, I'd be remiss not to mention his work helping me run that committee. Yeah, we got to get him on here one of these days too. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you.